Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. As we continue to watch the devastating events in Ukraine unfold, the call to stand in solidarity with those suffering the ravages of war comes to all the faithful. As we joined with the whole church in consecrating the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, as we offer prayers and masses for an end to the violence, as we give of our financial resources to help those in need, we strengthen our ties with our brothers and sisters across the world. But what does that life look like for those in Ukraine? Right here in our own backyard at Immaculate Conception School in Columbia Heights, 8th grade teacher Maria Zanirowicz has a unique inside look with many family members still in Ukraine. Maria, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me today. It's very good to be speaking with you. Now, why don't you introduce us a little bit to yourself and your connection with Ukraine? Of course. So my name is Maria Zanirowicz. To spell that in Ukrainian, to pronounce it is Zovnirovich. And I have 22 family members that currently live that are my cousins that live in Ukraine. Mm, wow. And what brought you or did were you born here in the U.S. or were you born in Ukraine, Maria? Yes. Great question. So I was actually born here in the United States. My mom was born in England, Bradford, England. Okay. And so that whole story connects because my grandpa was in World War II oh. and his goal was to live a better life. And that was the dream of being in Northeast Minneapolis in Minnesota. Mm. Wow. Okay. Very good. Well, um, Maria, let me ask, let me, let's just start to kind of unfolding the, as the events started, you know, the world started taking note when, when there was a buildup of Russian military forces on the border with Ukraine, what's mm-hmm. going through uh, both your mind and heart. And also as you're connecting with your cousins back in Ukraine, I mean, what's going on at the beginning of kind of the tensions flaring up in this particular way? So my cousin, her name is Ilona. She was the first person that I reached out to, and for her, it has been treacherous. Mm. Her husband is fighting on the front lines near Lviv, and she is just at home. She was asked if she wanted to retreat to Poland, and I can't remember her exact words, but in the sense she said, I am not willing to leave my husband. Mm. And so she remained at her house, and right now she is tutoring. And with tutoring, she tutors in Ukrainian and English. So for her to pass the time, she is um, continuing to work, work, and work, Mm -hmm. and kind of get into that workaholic stage so that she doesn't have to focus on her husband fighting. Right. And is her husband... Sorry, please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, for her, it has been just a really hard time for her husband to be gone because he has now um, been fighting this whole time since the war began. Hmm. Is he is he part of the military over there? I mean, yes, he, he was he was uh, I mean, I don't even know exactly. I see a lot of pictures these days that have it shows seems to show even what look like civilians carrying weapons mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, so he's been part of it for eight years now. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and uh, then with uh, being on the front lines like that, I can only imagine what, uh, what kind of stress and strain, obviously, that he's under, but also... Um, Ilona, is that what you said her name was? Yep, yeah. Ilona. Ilona, yep. yeah, that, uh, that she's under as well. 
And um, what kind of what kind of circumstances or or uh, are is Ilona and those like her? What what are they facing in terms of the threat of invasion of of bombs of uh, that sort of thing? Well, that's a fair question. Um, it's really hard for her to kind of talk about it when yeah. we're on the um, Facebook Messenger as well as chatting over the phone, mm. because for her it's just so sad and such a trauma that she doesn't even want to discuss and elaborate completely into how she is feeling. She just starts to break down and cry. And so I can assume that she is just so worried about the Russians invading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I can't even imagine. It kind of staggers the imagination as to what this sort of situation would be like for those on the ground. But for you personally or um, for family members as well, where do you find comfort? Well, I'll speak for myself. Yeah. I um, personally felt really angry the first moment I found out that my homeland, which is Ukraine, was being taken over by another country. Because I was raised Ukrainian, and in the Ukrainian tradition, we actually have a Heritage Day in September, and that is to just elevate and to say, yes, we are free. We are Ukrainian. We are able to really just um, emphasize this focus on being our own country, Hmm. and so to find out that another country wants to invade and wants to take over is just very discomforting. The way that I've found hope in it is if you've ever seen the Ukrainian symbol, Mm -hmm. which is kind of shaped like a trident, it is, um, it is in the Ukrainian language and what it means in English is freedom. Okay. So for me, The first thing I did was I went to my principal and Mrs. Bona mentioned, well, of course we can pray for them. Mm. And so I had my eighth graders end up writing prayer petitions every morning over the announcements during Lent and they would pray for Ukraine. Mm. And then another thing that I did with my fourth graders was that we went to adoration. And so we did Um, the Divine Mercy Chaplet for all of those in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So continuing to lift Ukraine up in prayer and being able to find ways to give alms during Lent, because I shared with all my students that when it comes to giving alms, it doesn't always have to be a monetary donation. Mm -hmm. You can give alms by praying for others. And so that is what I've tried to do even in my own personal life. And so I've been donating to certain charities. My uncle, who is part of the Ukrainian Event Association, we've been doing runs for charity. And so all the money we raise is going directly to Ukraine. Wow. Wonderful. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, great. Uh, you kind of, uh, yeah, I'm, you're you're. You're counterattacking on many fronts here. You're counterattacking war on, on many fronts, which I think is is a wonderful way of doing it. I'm glad that the prayer is such a 
staple part of that. And, and I love the way that you, you said that, yes, praying for another country is, is definitely a way of giving of our alms as well for those in need. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, so just a word of advice from you, maybe, Maria, about how might uh, other parents, you know, parents here that of, of your students, but also parents that may be listening, how might they speak with especially young children about this? Because, you know, war is a pretty horrific topic and uh, to, yeah. and, and it defies explana- logical explanation in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So how might parents speak with their children? What, what might they have them do? That's a great question. So I would recommend earlier children, so like preschool through like fourth grade, when you're talking with your child saying that, well, something's going on in another country and sharing with them that right now they are not at peace and defining the word peace to them and saying that everyone is safe. Well, Mm. not everyone is safe in Ukraine right now, so we need to pray for them. I would not go into as much as you and I both know that they're getting killed, that they're slaughtering, that they're sending them to certain places. That is meant for the middle school, high school, and adult level. Mm -hmm. So for those middle school and high schoolers, you can say, how are we going to ensure that World War III doesn't happen? And that's what I ended up doing with the eighth graders. They um, had a two-week lesson over the theme of um, just freedom itself. And when it comes to freedom, we talked about, the definition of a dictator. And then they each did their own dictator project. We came back, we learned about Corey Ten Boom and her family. And then we ended with speaking about Ukraine and how we can ensure that we do not, again, have World War III erupt. And how can we as eighth graders be citizens and be great citizens to help ensure that Ukraine is safe. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. What <laughs> I love that. And I, and I love that idea of being able to, uh, yeah, engage on that level as well with our, with our young people and just saying that, yeah, it, it actually does depend on us being good citizens. It's not just something that happens in the, you know, in the halls of the, the government, the central government, but it, it depends yeah. a lot on us as well. Mm-hmm. And one, one thing I always share with them, with the fourth and the eighth graders is how are you going to become a saint in the making? Right. Yeah. Oh man. Well, and that's what, that's what my next question was going to be. You've already shared many ways that your faith is playing a staple role in um, your, your confrontation of, of this war of the, the tragedies of war and everything. Any other ways that you might suggest that, uh, that others join with you in, in praying and supporting those who are suffering from the Russian invasion? Yeah. So, For me personally, I do a Divine Mercy Chaplet every Friday Mm. for those people in Ukraine. I have also listened to the when they were at the cathedral Mm -hmm. and they did that daily intercessory prayer. I find that that's really helpful to continue in prayer and just praying that Ukraine is safe. And just offering that little intention when you're at Mass. Mm. I find that when it comes to your prayer life, it could be when you're brushing your teeth in the morning and you have two minutes 
to just say, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust that you are going to take care and that I can fully rely on you, Lord, to ensure that everyone is safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great advice for you. And, uh, we're nearing the end of our time here, Maria, and I thank you so much for being with us. But I do recall that you wanted to uh, say a special prayer for your mom, if I understand. Is that right? Yes, okay, yes. Please, so take my, it away. Oh, wonderful. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak on Relevant Radio today. I also pray for my mom, who is such a warrior in her spiritual life. And I love her so much. Continue to bless her as we near Mother's Day. And together, let us say a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Monica, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Maria, this has been really enlightening, and, and uh, we are so grateful that you continue to give of yourself for your countrymen, for your relatives in Ukraine, but also for us here in the local church being a teacher at Immaculate Conception. God bless you, Maria. Thank you for being on the program. God bless you, too. Thank you. Well, amen is all I can think of to say after that. What a great thing to hear. If you would, as Maria mentioned, I'd like to be part of helping Ukraine, specifically uh, contributing financially. The best way to contribute is directly to Catholic Relief Services, which has teams on the ground. Funds directed to Ukraine will go there. And you can find out more about that at archspm.org slash helping hyphen Ukraine. Coming up on Practicing Catholic, the challenges of end-of-life care and the beauty of hospice from a chaplain's perspective. We'll be right back. 